and welcome to another episode of More Than Dice. Uh, the rest of my co-hosts are coming back. Uh, this is episode 146, I believe. Not my job. Not your job. <laughs> Cassie stuck around a little bit longer than you did uh, as a two-minute warning, so she kind of jumped away quicker, or later, I should say, than you did. Uh, so she's waiting to come back. Um, welcome to the episode. We're going to talk about Kickstarters this time. Um, so, other than that, um, this is going to be episode... Uh, no. My cameras, my cameras are correctly. Kathy's and John's are correctly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, welcome to episode one. 146. I'm Gonzo. That I'm right John. there is, I should say, that right there is Kathy. And that right there is John. Um, <laughs> I'm Kathy. He's John. No. <laughs> In case you were, you know, wondering. Yeah. That's not, I guess all the newbies that are watching us for the first time. So, uh, other than that, um, John, you want to. We're going to skip our, our, our sponsors for right now. Uh, I want to go to something that happened this week. Uh, our shout-out for the week. Oh, uh, you mean Sir Sean Connery? Yes. Oh, from articles I read, he does not want to be called Sir ever. <laughs> Apparently to writers and directors and all, he was just Sean. Probably. I could see that in, in the personality. There's some great stories out there. Um check Twitter and all. There's a bunch of people sharing their stories of him, including a couple of writers who were working on a project with him that ended up falling through, but they said it was one of the best moments of their career just getting to work with him because he was so cool and professional about it. It was shortly before he retired for good. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff out there. And he's just done so many damn movies and so many great movies. And I mean, he's a sign of enjoyment for a movie. You see Sean Connery, you know you're going to enjoy this movie. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that when it came across, you know, the feeds and everything, uh, I didn't realize he was 90 years old. Because in, in my mind, I still picture, you know, Indiana Jones, you know, that's that's how I remember, you know, that's that's, that's his memory. Um, he was old then. But the thing is, is but I don't. <laughs> well, to make you feel worse, you got to realize that there's less than a decade between him and Harrison Ford. Yeah, it was just... In my mind, I still picture him as, you know, the Indiana Jones character and in the character in that. And it was like, he's 90. He was 90. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't remember. I mean, it doesn't to me. It just it didn't it didn't click that he was 90 years old. Um, but it was it was interesting because I'm like, you know, James Bond, mm-hmm. you know, The Rock, Indiana Jones. I mean, you name it, and of course, I always think it's what is that? What's the one where he wears the uh... Zardos? Yes, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the suit that everybody talks about. Um, so I mean, it's just like, I mean, of course, you know, ever popular James Bond, which ever, but you know, pretty much shows where he is and who he was. I mean, he was the first, and I don't even think it's really arguably it is just the best. Well, you know, I was reading an article about that, and I was uh, about him being James Bond, and of course, the movie at the time, it was okay to do, you know, act like he was, and I was like, but that was a James Bond character, and I was like, 
somebody was complaining that, you know, you couldn't make a movie like that anymore because, like, you couldn't grab a woman and just, you know, grab her and kiss her and do all this stuff. And I was like, but that's the character. That's a different thing. This isn't... They were kind of blowing well, this out of proportion. In the, in the books, he's even more of a douche. Yeah. 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 There's so many movies you could not make. All movies are made of their time, unless they're right. made you know, before their time. And we just remember those after the fact. It, you know, it's, it's just the way it is. Don't look at it for that. Try and judge it by the time it was in. Yes, that time may still have been stupid and crazy and should not have gone that way, but it did. Correct. And don't partially judge someone for living in the times they lived in. Correct. I mean, judge someone, all, all historical figures, everyone who we, we hold up on a pedestal, if you judge them by today's standards, they will be found wanting all the time. Yep. I mean, the, the one thing... Retrenched, we get more ability to do what is absolutely right, you know? And they all work that way slowly, so I mean... The, the one thing that I always remember uh, him from the James Bond, and it's it's the common scene where the lady's in the bathtub and she asks him for something to put on, and he hands her some high heels and just sits on the bathtub. And I'm like, but that's James Bond. That wasn't, yeah. you know, that's that's what people got to understand that this is this is a James Bond. This isn't him. This is this was the way it was written, and you know, so on and so forth. But I mean, that and like The Rock. That was the first time I had seen him in a role where he wasn't, and I put quotes around, the good guy, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, he was still the, the good guy. But, Correct. But, but wasn't the, the quintessential hero good guy of the the thing. But, I mean, it, it, it just kind of floored me. I was like, hey, I didn't think he was 90 years old. I mean, because he hadn't done anything since when. Do you remember? I mean, look at how, how old he was when he was playing James Bond. He was not a young man no. playing James Bond. And that was in the early 60s. Yeah, one of the movies I watched was from 1981, which I'll point out was 39 years ago. Yeah. And mathematically speaking, he was, what, 51 then? Yeah. So. (laughs) Everything he did afterwards, Hunt for October, Indiana Jones, Last Crusade, League of Attorney Gentlemen, all that stuff is post-51. Highlander. Oh yeah, Highlander. You didn't I mean, mention Highlander. Yeah, Highlander, which is a, one of my favorites, of course. Uh, so before we do that, let's let's give our tribute. Did uh, you two watch any um, Sean Connery movies uh, this week? Hell yes. Let's go. Hell yeah. All right. Which Kathy? What did you watch this week of uh, for Sean Connery? I watched Goldfinger. Goldfinger. And uh, Gold so Goldfinger. <laughs> give give <laughs> give us your review and uh, everything for it. Uh, so and, and why did I've you decided, choose that one? I've decided to work my way through all of the James Bond movies consecutively, and Goldfinger is the third one. So it had to be Goldfinger. I actually liked From Russia with Love better. Uh, Goldfinger has a whole bunch of really classic scenes in it. But I felt like the story of uh, the the Fort Knox heist was a little a little ridiculous. A little ridiculous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so there's there are other James Bond movies that have a better story, even though this one did have you know iconic characters like Pussy Galore, and uh, and and James's 
baby blue terry cloth romper. <laughs> um, who else could have pulled that particular ensemble off? No one. Uh, yeah. No one. Um, but yeah, there are iconic moments. The whole the 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 woman who gets killed by being painted gold. The you know odd job with his hat. Which is that's a that's. You you see odd job and you immediately think of that hat that hat is yeah, so amazing. so there's all that all these different iconic elements in this one, but the story itself is just so over the top. It's you know, but you'll always remember that no, Mister Bond, I expect <laughs> you to die. Funny note that I actually worked next to a guy who's Brandon Bond, and at one point while while just doing work, he said, "Do you expect me to such and such?" So, of course, I had to. And you know what the damnable part is? He's so young, he didn't get it. Oh, that's so sad. Like, that's I had the sad. right line at the right spot, and you're too young to fucking know. Let me just play you this YouTube clip so you understand my awesome joke. <laughs> <laughs> that's what smartphones are made by. It's like old people made smartphones because we have to play the YouTube clips so every, all the youngins can get our jokes. <laughs> Yeah, Bill Robertson. Did, I just saw your comment in the chat. Didn't they kill someone in Goldfinger by painting them gold? I did just say that too, right? You did, yes. Yeah, okay. Painted a girl gold. Yep. Uh, so what do you give yes. it rating wise, I guess? Uh, two space herpes. Oh, two space herpes. Oh. Yeah. I, I like it, but there's there's so many other Bond movies specifically that I like better than this one. I mean, it's not Moonraker, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, well, I was also uh, Gold. Uh, Goldfinger actually came up with mine also, but since I couldn't start at the beginning, I didn't. Uh, last night I watched Outland, which if you haven't seen, it is Sean Connery. It is basically, from what everyone says, a remake of High Noon, just in space, where he plays the lone the federal marshal on this mining colony and has to investigate why people are dying. Um, and if you've seen High Noon, you'll know what, sort of get an idea what it is. It's, it's no great mystery. It's it's played like a mystery, but, I mean, in 1981 it might have been, but let's be honest, we know these tropes by now. We know it's a mining colony. We know it's going to be drugs. I mean, that's pretty much painted right on the wall. Um, it's kind of slow-paced, as movies from the early 80s tend to be. The action is a little early 80s as well. Um, it's not all gunfights, which is kind of cool. Um, the most interesting, though, is the interaction between sort of the leads, um, Sean Connery and the woman who plays the doctor, uh, have a great back and forth. Um, Sean Connery and the guy who plays the sergeant have a good back and forth. And Peter Boyle plays like the, uh, you know, foreman or the head of the whole mining collection collective there. And their back and forth is pretty amusing. Um Overall, it, it's an enjoyable movie. It's not great by any stretch. It's in 1981. It shows at points, doesn't at others. The model works pretty solid. The sets are pretty solid. Uh, they do a good job of keeping things dark. If you, they don't want you to see that they're probably not done very well. <laughs> but uh, I mean, I give it, I give it, you know, one and a half space herpes. It's an enjoyable time. I wouldn't necessarily watch it again. But if someone puts it on, you know, it'd be good in the background. Take a look once in a while. 
especially when they get some of those cool dialogue scenes with him, because, I mean, no one delivers a line like Sean Connery. Um, actually, I also watched another movie. Um, I've talked about it here before recently, so I'm going to give you a capsule review, and if you want to hear a full review, you can check it out on Wednesday when I talk about it in the other cast. Um, and that is uh, The Untouchables. Mm-hmm. Because I was looking for another Sean Connery movie, and I will hazard that The Untouchables is one of the epitome of Sean Connery movies. Because he brings so much to it, and almost every line out of his mouth is quotable. It's just good. I mean, he brings so much. He's so good, and then, you know, Andy Garcia is good enough with what he he has there. And De Niro is great. The Kevin Costner is, like, lost in the fucking background sometimes. (laughs) So... Uh, in fact, I'd hazard to say Kevin Costner is the worst lead in that movie. But I enjoy the crap out of that one. I give that one zero space herpes. Untouchables is great. If you haven't seen it recently, watch it again. Oh, yeah. uh, especially when you get to the, to the the train station scene with the stair. The staircase is fucking great. How to build up tension properly. Uh, Brian De Palma is really good at it. And the movie's a lot more tension and suspense than it is action for the most part. But it is a good time, and I suggest it. I figured we would give a good tribute there before we get started on everything. Um, so let me go and switch over to paint can, which I probably, ah, it's still fixed amazingly. Gonzo, what are you drinking? Um, I actually am drinking water today. Uh, I am still getting over a uh, sinus infection and bronchitis. So I had to take some more meds. So it's my last day of meds. So water. Kathy, what you got? Rum and Coke? Rum and Coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm mm-hmm. drinking a dark and stormy again. All right. So, guys, um, keep your eye out for each other. Make sure you go and vote. Um, look out for everything. Help each other out. If you see something going on, say something. Um, and please wear a mask. Cheers. Cheers. Not tasty. All right, so let's switch over to this. Ah, oh, I did. I forgot. I did do something Saturday. I went and got uh, worked on my left leg tattoo, and so I did something Saturday too. Drink that on. I do anything Saturday? I mean, I'm sure I did. I'm sure you did because you're here today. Uh, so you did I mean, not I'll... vanish into the void. Maybe I did, but I came back for the podcast. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I also voted last week, Legionnaires. I had, I got my mail-in ballot. Jim got his mail-in ballot. We filled them out. We took them over to the, uh, to the school where they had a drop box. Uh, they have a location there to hand in mail-in ballots. So we did that. We did not put them in the mail. We just walked them over there and done. I need to fix a part. Um, what can I do with my glasses? Gotta get my glasses. I gotta fix the part. So, um, this week's episode, we want to talk about Kickstarter. John, you got a new Kickstarter in. What'd you get? Uh, I got the Battles, Battletech Clan Invasion Kickstarter in. Uh, who was that made by, by the way? Uh, that was made by Catalyst Games. Catalyst Games? Who are currently, taking, who are currently putting the game uh, for the license from the Tops company, I think, owns it. Really? 
Yeah. Well, I mean, when FASA went under, they sold all their stuff. So. Yeah, I just didn't know who who actually had the the rights to it. Yeah, indeed. Um, and actually, it's funny. I brought up my my Kickstarter page so we can talk about Kickstarter because we we'll to talk about it. We should probably. Okay. I missed a part of white on there. Talk about specific ones. After what I would say, one's more of an idea of how many I've been had. <laughs> I'll actually tell you, they actually do a really cool thing on this uh, website now, is they actually let you click and whether you had um, a good experience or a bad experience or a neutral experience and did you receive it. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, the, I just noticed that on the website. Shockingly, I have one that has a bad experience and didn't receive anything. What? I wonder what that one would be. Oh no. Okay, so the I have that yellow that I'm gonna get started with. And you just tell me to slap this yellow on. And that's the fluorescent yellow? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because okay. it's gonna be really transparent. So the white is that the white value is gonna show right through it. Okay. Make sure it's all good and should be nice and bright. And uh, those fluorescent colors really screw with the cameras, just yeah. like white does. So expect that to still be a little difficult for your camera to pick up. Agusaki says, Man following rights to games is a deep, deep dive. Video game rights can get crazy. Well, yeah, especially when you realize, I mean, I guess Tops owns Tops might own the rights for the board game version but i think microsoft owns the rights to the uh computer game version which makes things really odd i'm sure i don't know if there's someone who owns the rights to the ip that would probably be a whole nother bag of tricks looking into but oh yeah this thing is like bright neon yellow uh-huh yeah, it okay. almost doesn't show up on the camera just like kathy said you can see a little <laughs> bit that's right yeah. well uh, once that's dry then and you go in with your uh what I like to do is mix some of that yellow with the orange mm -hmm. to do a bit of a uh, a dry brush. And then just as if you were highlighting something, you take you just gradually get darker uh, with your highlights instead of lighter when you're doing flames. Okay, so I'm going to so get this on. You... And it's going to take a little bit because we have to let it, to, let it dry. It shouldn't take that long to dry, though. No, but I'm like, there, there's, a, there's a lot of flame because I'm actually going to do it also on the tips of her dress. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I want those to look like they're flaming. Absolutely. That's so, going to look great. Yeah. So, so John, you did this Kickstarter, and did they fulfill it correctly, and everything seemed to be okay? I mean, it took longer than they expected. Shock, COVID. What was the... What was the expected delivery date on that one? So the expected delivery date was around March 2020. Oh, so this isn't actually that bad at all. I mean, compared to others, no, definitely not. I mean, yeah. I'm not disappointed, COVID and everything, especially because models, plastic models. Oh, just to grab one. I grab a big one. You know, coming from China, I'm certain of it. So... They get delayed by Chinese New Year's, which isn't always factored in, I've noticed. Yep. And uh, then COVID definitely hit the brakes on that. But delivered pretty much in, I think, 
everything I ordered. I have to double check to be sure where everything I was expecting for this wave uh, came in. Then good quality. It was as very a very pleasant overall experience. You know, what people, what some people don't understand, Kickstarter isn't a buying program. You're not. Okay. You're not purchasing the models. You're hoping that whatever they do, you get the models or whatever you're kickstarting. It's like a venture funded. capitalist thing. <laughs> it's not a pre-order thing. Even though sometimes people will use the language of pre-order your game during, you know, with this Kickstarter, it is it's not nothing's guaranteed. It's venture capitalism. Well, yeah, and, and honestly, that where some of the, let's say, inherent dislike of Kickstarter comes for certain people. Correct. Certain companies are using it as a pre-order system rather than actually doing things. And at the end of the day, that's really doing a disservice to their customers because when something happens, they basically just fuck their customers. Yeah, I mean, because they look at it and go, we can fulfill this much at this value, and it's only worth it if we get this much money to do it. As in, you know, what what did that one cost to get fully funded? Oh, that one. One second here. Clan Invasion. It was. Da, 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 da. God, it's they're old enough. It's hard to see that stuff in it. Oh, okay. There it is. Different tab. Hold on. It was two point five million out of thirty thousand dollar goal. Okay, so they only really had to only make thirty thousand dollars to yeah. get it funded to start producing it now are they going to sell this stuff in stores uh eventually several of the things but they have a lot of extra accoutrement of course that is not in stores i mean i got that right next to me too you know i mean hell i'm wearing a Calhoun t-shirt a Calhoun <laughs> patch they got i got uh you know all the extra stuff pins and stuff some of the stuff might make its way out there challenge coins dice they got everything yeah, which is, I mean, that's the reason why you back it is a, like, oh, if we get enough people, you get, you know, variant model or variant cards or, you know, whatever. Well, think of it, I pledged at $150, which got me the the box set of the new game edition. Uh-huh. Inherently, um, it also says, you know, double forces for every... Uh, Lance pack, you select, you get an extra one. So I got two lances, which if you saw my pictures on our Facebook page, you saw I got two industrial lances. And then you get a clan challenge coin, a box set, which I got. Um, you get, there's a bunch of free short stories that came months and months and months ago. Um, PDFs, that, I'm guessing. Oh, yeah, PDFs, yeah. And then you got all the salvage boxes, which if you uh, followed our feed too, you also saw all those, opened all those up. Plus you got a t-shirt. And then they had a bunch of add-ons for dice and stuff, and they've added cards and stuff. So it was very good. I mean, overall, the models are very good quality. They've done a really good job in making them, you know, in some cases. Oh, I didn't realize I had that. Damn, that's what I'm selling now. Anyways, uh, in some cases, they've, they've updated the model's look to, you know, for modern graphics. But they've done a very good job of keeping sort of the iconic looks of a lot of them together. Um, and they said, you know, in high quality plastic, and they're all very good plastic, very happy with all of the models I got. There's like, from what I've seen, I haven't done any deep dive on these models yet. Um, but they're all very good quality overall. 
Um, did they, what was the reason for doing a Kickstarter instead of just, you know, funding it and themselves and getting it done? Well, to be honest, they're not a huge company and getting a lot of models made in plastic is a hell of a thing. I worked for Games Workshop for nine and a half years, so I have some idea of what it takes. And molds for plastics are not cheap. You have to expect to hit a certain number of sales before they're actually remotely worth it. Yeah. So, so Kickstarter is necessary in a lot of cases for a company like this to get them started. And in fact, I would expect where they do the next whack, you know, if they were to do Battletech the Dark Ages um, or, you know, the, the next era of Battletech, which is, I think that is the next era, uh, to do the models for that, they would have to do the same thing unless sales somehow become very good. You know, Games Workshop's at that point where they get enough money in from all their box sets, they're just cycling it forward, but smaller companies can't do that. Um, lots of times they'll do something like this. They're still putting out plenty of product in separate books. Like, they have books coming out. They've had, they have the standard battle deck, the Game of Armor Combat uh, box set out there already, been out for a while. It has models in it, too. All sorts of books and stuff. Did, uh, so there's stuff they can do. It's just when you get to anything outside your realm, it becomes a little rough. Have you had a chance to play the game yet? God, no, it's, it's, it's 2020. Well, I didn't know if you, because I didn't know if uh, your uh, roomie, if Banyan got it and y'all had a chance to throw down I mean, a bit and test it out. He actually got his first, but no, we haven't had a chance to play. Oh, okay. I mean, it's Battletech, for fuck's sake. I can play it right now. I know the rules. Yeah. Some things have changed a little bit, but it's not like they've changed enough for me not to know how to play it. I played Battletech back in the day. <laughs> I did. But anyways. So um, was, was, this a, was this a successful Kickstarter that if they do something else, you would definitely do it again? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Um, and I would say the majority of Kickstarters I've seen are, at least for the wild most part, successful. I mean, I have a quite uh, a quite a few here. Uh, it doesn't have a, 23 projects I've backed. Uh, and they're not all games. I've backed uh, two bands putting out CDs. Uh, I've backed uh, a couple of those games. Uh, I've backed... I'm not going to count those games, but I backed Chain Attack doing their Warmer Machine Weekend uh, Invitational, getting money to go there. I've backed that twice. The two years they did it. 2012 and 2013 those were both very good experiences very well done um and then you know you get the uh, album suburban legends the new album was a great experience uh transformers 1986 by uh, uh cybertronic speed very good and then you know all sorts of games i've done i actually got a comic book the elemental balance i got issues one two and three from them um they weren't cheap for comic books, but you know, it was a guy trying to make a new comic. I gave him a little money. That delivered fine. It was very good. And then, you know, a wide variety of other stuff. I've uh, backed Dave Taylor's books, Armies, Legions, and Hordes. It was a very good experience. Uh, backed their second book, Train Essentials, which hasn't delivered yet. And it's a bit behind schedule, but that happens. I mean, that's the reality of it. There has only been, besides the one that I know is going to be our ugly is I backed this one guy. It was only 20 bucks, so I wasn't too worried about it. Um, it was a guy doing just like a 16-bit, you know, 
old Final Fantasy style game. And I was like, okay, I can give the guy 20 bucks because it would give me the game on whatever platform because it was going to be a downloadable. And it, and that was like five years ago and it still hasn't come out yet. Well, yeah. Um, so you want to hit the elephant in the room for bad? Let's, let's do bad real quick. <laughs> are, are, are we doing bad or are we doing ugly? Um, let's, well, let me go through the other good ones real quick first. Okay. The ones that I've all good. Um, when they went to do their role-playing game, Weird Games did that as a Kickstarter because they don't do role-playing games. They do miniature games. And you think it's just a book, but there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So I had no problem with them doing a Kickstarter for that. So I Kickstarter that, got the Through the Breach Malifaux role-playing game. Mm-hmm. Um, when uh, everyone was playing Dust Tactics, a local company to us did uh, what he calls Weird War 16mm Faction Dice which were dice in the dust faction, because you know how dust dice only matters if you roll five or six. Nothing else matters. Doesn't matter what number you roll, if you roll five or six, it's a success. So instead of having regular dice, he's like, well, here's dice where on two sides, there's a faction symbol. There's your five, there's your six, go to town. You know, he was local, he's doing that. I was kind of in the game, so I did that. That was good. I backed double six dice twice now, where he makes... Uh, basically, 12 sliders that do 1 to 6, 1 to 6, rather than, you know, cubes, because his first thing was cubes aren't meant to roll. And I'm like, you know, you got me at that. You were absolutely <laughs> correct, sir. Cubes are not meant to roll. And I will say, two in a row, absolutely the best Kickstarter I've followed, not because he delivered on time, because he actually didn't, but it is so see-through, you see everything that's going on, and the best the best communication. If I even wanted to go back to that first one from twenty from twenty fourteen, I could see where he spent every dollar he got because he's got reports on that because he kept absolute transparency. Um, I've done a couple other role playing games. I did uh, Feng Shui Two, which I love, obviously. That's still delivering every time they update the books. Since they came with a PDF copy, I get an update of that. Um, they put out like free adventures. They put out a couple free adventures you've gotten. Um, God, what else do I talk about? Star Realms. I've done Star Realms twice now. Not too much. I did the Star Realms add-on for Epic Jungle, and then I did the Star Realms uh, Frontiers because I love Star Realms. Delivered well, you know. Most of the, I find most of these have delivered well, even the ones that aren't doing well. I've got a couple that are outstanding and late. Uh, Prowlers and Paragons is a superhero role-playing game. Yeah, no, I have no, a PDF no. copy with no pictures because they're having problems getting pictures. COVID sort of they were a little behind, and then COVID definitely stopped everything they were doing. So I understand that, you know, reality is, but they have good communication also. I don't get weekly updates anymore, but you get bi-weekly or maybe monthly updates of what's going on. Um, so please there. And then you get to, you know, let's get to the the, the bad. Uh I'm not sure we're going to call it bad. I'll call it bad Relic Knights, the first Relic Knights. The first Relic Knights delivered probably a year and a half, two years late. It was, I mean, solid communication was good, and you find a lot of that. Um, but never, just never telling us exactly what's going on until it was way past the date. I remember they said they were delivered May 2013. I don't think we actually heard what was going on until sometime late June 2013. 
Um, but overall, the, the quality of the product was good. And once they started communicating, it was great. Enough that we backed them. Uh, I backed them for more money because I put my buddy Dave in there too, not Brush at Dave, on their second edition, which is not delivered yet. And the laments of uh, soda pop miniatures and their problems have been the subject of many, many a podcast. <laughs> yeah. To say, well, I have $305 in their thing that I may never see all of. Um, as it stands, they have stuff ready I could, but they don't have the money for shipping because they have money problems. So I could order something from their web store, and if I get anything shipped to me, they will throw everything from my pledge that's available on that, too. But they're still... Where other companies might have cut and run, they're still communicating occasionally and trying to fulfill everything they've promised. It's slow. I mean, this is expected to deliver 2018. It's 2020 and not February. So it's going to be at least three years late, probably four. But you know, it is what it is. And honestly, at this point, it doesn't really matter. Miniature games coming out four years after it's supposed to is probably not going to hit big at all. Uh, and then the ugliest would be the Robotech RPG Tactics one, which I'm sure is the one Gonzo referring to. Yeah. In our miniature game circles, that is probably the brand name for shit in the bed. Yeah, because originally when I saw it coming out, I'm like, oh man, this looks really cool. I love Robotex, a miniature game that, you know, played on a tabletop and they're going to have all this. And I'm like, yeah, this looks really cool. I'll buy, you know, and I think I was in came, for like $250. And, and when it came out, we were still riding high on Soda Pop Minis, who they, uh, who Palladium Books partnered with for it. They were on a high because they delivered at that point, I think, or they were still in talking up like they can do all this stuff. They were they were doing a lot of the promo. And Palladium Books was, you know, they're, they're an institution in, in far as role-playing concerned. They've been around for a long time. They had that license for a long time. No one knew they were going to lose a license that quickly after their their Kickstarter was supposed to come out, which yeah, was a problem. Because I was waiting. Because uh, when I went to Gen Con, Palladium was there, and I was they, they had a little demo of their models, and I'm like, "When am I going to get my Kickstarter?" They're like, "Oh, we don't know yet," and everything. And I'm like, "Okay," and I was like, "It's probably not going to come out." Yeah. Well, so being in this, so I just want to. So interrupt for a moment so that I can talk about Gonzo's painting a little bit. Here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, Sorry, <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for the yellow to dry instead of just sitting here waiting for the yellow to dry and put another thin coats of uh, skin on, by the way. Okay, because I wasn't sure if you were if you were throwing a little bit of yellow onto the, the skin and some of the areas where your object source lighting is going to be reflecting off of, like, her upper thigh and uh, other parts of her dress and stuff. No, I because I thought if that's what you were doing, that's actually a good idea. No, I was waiting because that that yellow is like super super wet and such, and so I I mean you really I mean you you can't see it. I mean you can when I turn it a certain way you can see the yellow glow. Uh, mm -hmm. on the yellow oh, I can yeah. see it. It definitely it it looks so bright compared to the rest of it. It already looks glowy. Oh yeah, it, um, it's super. But yeah, I. I was just thinking uh, you may want to, to add just a little bit of that yellow to these areas of her body where, where gonna you're going to have that object source light. Okay, I can do that. Let me get um, let me get another coat of this uh, flesh tone on here because 
Drop my paintbrush all over the place. No, oh, it's too bright. I stopped looking at the screen because I'm blinded now. <laughs> <laughs> but her skin tone was it just needed a couple of more thin coats because it was it was just the black was showing through too much, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna go ahead and get this. You say the black was showing through too much, but that's the uh, that's the underpainting. It's it's supposed to. Because that's where your your shading is is gonna be the sand. Well, it's more like it's splotchy. <laughs> so uh, you'd be surprised. Like what looks splotchy up close does not look splotchy when you put it down. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> but it um, definitely needed another thin layer. No, no, fair. There are people in the chat talking about uh, their Kickstarter appear uh, experiences as well. Yep, Abisaku uh, has been has has backed a few Kickstarters. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, STL files, yeah. The good thing with STL files is if you kickstarter those, you generally get those. And actually, Legionnaires has got two I want to bring up as well. Um, we um, talk about... We'll, we'll bring those up now, actually. We'll talk about some of my ideas on Kickstarter after that because they were directly related to Palladium Books and Robotech RPG Tactics. I mean, heck, there's other Kickstarters I've talked about. People talk about video games they ain't gotten yet from years, which they probably won't at this point. But, um, so, first off, he brought up, he had Monolith Games Kickstarter in 2016. He's not the first I've heard of who brought that one up. And they, like, literally haven't delivered a damn thing. But they were, had two other, uh, um, oh, so, yeah, so they they had one, apparently didn't do well, and then their their fans were toxic. So that's, that's a problem a lot of Kickstarters have. If you don't deliver on time, the, the fans will get super toxic and you'll get a lot of that there are people who join for one dollar just so that they can basically be an ass in the comments yeah it's i was surprised by how many people just sort of use kickstarter as their own social media to just go and be assholes i i'm amazed i'm floored by the number of people that are just such jerks yep well, there's a lot of things. People do that. People will, will put in big bids and then withdraw them the last day they can. Mm-hmm. Which is shit. Don't do that. Yeah. Um, and then the other one, he wanted, he, was, he mentioned real quick, and actually I was going to be bringing that up because that's sort of in the Kickstarter-like object, is he mentioned HeroQuest, which is not on Kickstarter. That is actually being funded through HasLab, which might as well be Kickstarter, but it's literally just their thing. Um, and you want to be careful of those. There's a lot of other ones. There's Indiegogo. Um, actually, that's a good one to mention. My mom actually backed something on, I think it was Indiegogo, that was for my gaming table because they got kicked out of Kickstarter because of some bylaw Kickstarter had. Um, but my mom bought it on there. It was a good experience for her. She got what she expected. It was good. They've been, they communicated with her. The product was good. Um, but you need to be careful looking at the company, especially when you get off Kickstarter because they don't have the same rules. Kickstarter has a lot of rules in there to help protect. Yeah, protect both ends. Protect the people putting in the Kickstarter from people being jackasses, and protect those of us kick, uh, who spend the money to from companies who are just going to be shitty about things. You know, so they can't just easily take the money and run. Um, so you want to be careful when you're backing another thing. So like, 
HasLab, as we were talking about for uh, request, you have technically none of those protections because it's their thing. Granted, being it's their thing, everything that goes wrong is directly on them and reflects only on them, so you're unlikely to get it because Hasbro is a reputable company. But you need to, you still need to be careful. Like, uh, what I want to bring with is you want to be careful when you're doing stuff on Kickstarter and see what you uh, see what the company is like. Uh, example would be the Robotech one. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, you know, the Soda Pop Miniatures games, they did this Relic Knights one that did a ton of money and all that. It delivered a little late, but they still delivered just fine. And then Platinum's Books is at the Robotech license for forever, so that seems like a safe one, right? Yeah, it seems like a legit. I mean, because it's Platinum Games, it's a... Except if you know the inside stuff, Scoop, you want to do Platinum Books almost lost their license the last time it came up. Which is why they had reprints of some of their games, not the old versions, because they had to get something going or they were going to lose a license. And you combine that with the fact that, you know, Soda Pop games didn't exactly deliver as well as they should have on uh, Relic Knights, but they were still at that point still getting the Super Dungeon Explorer love. Because that was delivering perfectly and everything. You know, Relic Knights just. Rock Knights is a great study for anyone who wants to do a game Kickstarter and how to promise a ton of stuff and then suddenly realize, holy shit, we can't deliver this so easily. They are the reason so many people are charging shipping and not doing these giant tiers of free stuff on free stuff. That game came out and no one in my group who backed it needed to buy anything from the store until legitimate new releases that weren't in the Kickstarter came out. And that's a problem. Because at that point, why is your store going to support it? Spoiler, they're not. Yeah. They, they, they got no reason to at that point. There's no money in it for them. We're not going to buy it. We're going to be the ones playing. We're just using space at that point. Now, some Kickstarters now have pledge levels for only for retail stores. Which I think is which a is really a, good thing for them to do. Yes. If you're going to use it somewhat as a pre-order, because in some ways it is a pre-order, but that way you can make sure your make sure your your customers get it. Yes, and it's also because you're taking care of the local store. Because I mean, if you can get if you can get it from the local store and they're gonna do the Kickstarter, the retail version or whatever it is, mm -hmm. amazing. It, it, it just shows that hey, I'm willing to back this. Can you back it? I'd rather do it through retail than do it through you know my own. But not everybody can, so... Yep. So, uh, most Magic mentions Kingdom Death almost went under due to from the first Kickstarter due to all the freebies and logistics. Yep. Yeah, that's another uh, thing. Up, up until that point, literally, those that's another good one. They came out a lot better than... Uh, well, Sinopop came out okay from their first one. The second one killed them, but... Um, but yeah, that's the thing they need to look at, and those two would definitely be a good study in that and how to do it right. Because it's just... If you give too much free stuff... I mean, at the end of the day, how much do they have to buy later? And also, how are you going to get it there? Are you hurting your sales in the future? That's why if they start looking like too good of a deal, I start really giving them the squinty eyes. All right, let me see. I'm trying to get... Somebody asked if uh, HeroQuest is available outside the U.S. 
I think it is now available outside the U.S. Originally, it wasn't. If you remember our original podcast on it? I thought they might. I thought they might expand it at some point. Yeah, they were because people are pretty upset that they couldn't get it outside the U.S. The only thing I see is it's not available in Quebec. Don't ask why I can't answer these questions. It just says biggest day not available ship to Quebec, Canada. Which is weird. Or Quebec. There's, I mean, there's probably a law. There's yeah. A laws there, but yes. So, um, take a look at the company you're buying from. Sometimes you're going to see a new company, and hey, there's not much you can do at that point. It's a new company. You're going to take a chance if you like what they're doing. But if it's an old company, take a look at how they're doing right now. Look at everything. Licensed product, anything licensed, really, like some of the stuff, like if someone's like, I'm going to put out this cool Robotech, you know, bust. Oh, cool. It doesn't matter if you got the license at that point. Who fucking cares? Um, okay, quick break on this. Kathy, uh, yellow down, orange. Dry brush it on or just kind of like? Dry brush. Dry brush it? Okay. Yeah. Let me close this up. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to do that, and I'll get the dry brush going <laughs> in the orange. All right, oh. so go back to Kickstarter. Well, let me actually get this in here. Edgy uh, 75 says, you ever see a PC game that has Sergei Titov associated with it, avoid it like the plague? Apparently they keep putting out the promising games under different names so that it's they can keep getting Kickstarter money and never delivering. That's the kind of thing you want to do. You want to do a little research on it. I know it's easy, you know, example, Dave Taylor comes and endorses something, I go and get it. Dave Taylor endorsed it. I know Dave Taylor. You know, Studio X. We actually talked to the guys, uh, John from Studio X. Yeah. Dave Taylor sort of hooked us up together. I mean, we trust Dave Taylor. We know who Dave Taylor is. You know, no worries there. A company you've been dealing with for a while, you know. You took a little bit of flyer when I did Battletech with Catalyst Games, but they'd had the license for long enough. It seemed solid enough. Um, other than that, you want to make sure when you're going to Kickstarter... It's like gambling. Don't put any money in there. You can't afford to lose. Correct. Mm-hmm. You know, like I say, I have $305 in Relic Knights second edition. That's not all my money. Some of that's uh, not brush at Dave's money. I don't expect to get any of that back at this point. It's lost, whatever. The 60 bucks for Robotech RPG Tactics is definitely lost. I could have put it towards Wave 1 stuff, but that wasn't going to happen at that point. No. But every other Kickstarter, I feel delivered in or that is i'm expected to have delivered had delivered and it delivered in good enough that i don't feel i feel like it's overall been a boon for me yeah the 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 interesting part and whatever of the robotech what really irked people off is they tried to do another kickstarter while trying to get the kickstarter for robotech and people are like there ain't no way in hell i'm backing well the thing is they were doing that but that's they also realized there was a technically soda pop minis was not the main people behind the Robotech Kickstarter. No, it I'm talking about Palladium Books. And Palladium Books did not do another Kickstarter. I could tell you a story about Palladium Books and their problems. <coughs> and I don't necessarily like Kevin Sambada, who is the head of Palladium Books. I have no specific beef with him as a person. He's had a tough time. My biggest problem has to do with the fact his games have not evolved in years and that's a problem. But neither here nor there. That could be a whole other podcast on that. But he's had some tough times, and I feel for the dude. Like, a lot of sh- bad shit has come his way. And then to have, you know, expect to renew a license that she renewed without any super huge 
difficult, the only one slight hiccup in, you know, what, 30 years? Because Robotech was one of the early RPGs I played in fucking elementary school. You know, to, to lose that license in the middle of doing this thing, because they intended to get out Wave 2. It wasn't like they were not trying to. But they lost the license in the middle of all that. So, that's something to look at with uh, license stuff. And then, um, uh, who else? Oh, Moe's Magic says, bring up the elephant in the room, which is Star Citizen. Yeah, Star Citizen is definitely one that is no way now. Yeah, I only can't still... Yeah. I know a lot Let's of people. Because yeah. they made, they had a ton of money and a ton of people were invested in it. And it was like, oh, I bought this ship, so I got all this other stuff and so on and so on. I mean, it's still going. They're still trying to do something, but it's like, damn. And the worst thing is, is that it's still under projects we love for Kickstarter. You think they would have pulled that since it has not really done anything so they got they wanted fifty thousand dollars to make this game they got 2.1 million and it's still not delivered no that was in uh estimated deliver november of 2014 oh hold on no yeah november 2014 was estimated deliver and it has not delivered Wow. And theoretically is still it, they, they're still leading people on. I don't want to say leading people on, but Yeah, they're still trying to do on. stuff because people yeah. are, I mean, they have some type of beta or alpha or something going on with it, but it's like holy crap, really? Yeah, there's if you look at their comments, and the good thing is that you can get into most of the comments, you can, you can read the comments and um, there's a lot of people now just basically monthly or whatever, just, you know, shitting on them and they should be, you know, there's a guy who says that he was listed as a super backer, which means he did a ton there. He said he buys his money back before they change their terms of service. Can't believe they're still swimming people out of money eight years later. So yeah, it's really, uh, terrible. So that's why you want to, you, you got to be careful. Like I said. I treat it like gambling now. Um, I didn't as much before, say... Uh, when it started? When Kickstarter when it started. I would actually say, honestly, the second um, Relic Knights is the one where I started really going, let's be careful on this. Because yeah. they delivered the first one. I had no reason to worry that they were going to deliver the second one. And again, like I said, they have had problem after problem after problem. It's I don't want to say it's not their fault, but... It's not entirely their fault. Well, a after the Robotech incident, I've been like, oh, because uh, one of them I backed was, um, I can't remember the company, but they made something called Fidget Cubes. And I was like, oh, I can deal with that. I wouldn't mind having one of those because I, you know, I like fidgeting. I have the Fidget Cube. Do you have one? I love mine. Yeah. I carry it in my pocket almost everywhere I go. I wish I had another one. Oh, one yeah. One for each hand. Uh, and I love them. And they performed, and I was like, oh, cool. They sent me something recently saying, hey, we're doing another Kickstarter. Catalyst Labs, I think is what it was, or I can't remember what their, I can't remember what, the, what the name of the company was. I don't remember. Um, 
not Catalyst Lab, but, uh, and I was like, I looked at it and I was like, uh, no, I'm not really into that. That one doesn't yeah. seem like it's going to fit what I want to do. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do it. But the everything else, I mean, like I said, their fidget cube, because they had a lot of fakes come out after it. Uh, after they made it, there was a lot of people that took it and were faking it. And you could tell the difference between the two models. I was like, it was unbelievably um, bad. But I mean, I, I've i kick-started uh, Privateer Presses, the... Uh, uh, the Warcaster. Video game. Yeah, the Warcaster. Oh, I did yeah. do the video game, and that was that turned out to be crap. Um, well, I didn't. Luckily, I put in with someone else's Kickstarter and just got the model. Yeah, um, but I uh, I, I did uh, Warcaster and went through, and I was surprised they weren't late. Really, being based, you know, about because it's a COVID. Yeah, let's be fair. COVID, I'm not going to blame anyone. No, yeah. And, you know, I was kind of worried because of COVID, but it came out and the models are great. The game's fun as shit. Um, They just did another one, uh, Collision Course, which is to add a new race and vehicles to the game. And and they're sort of the epitome of the problem I have. Like, y'all a big company. Y'all been doing this for a while. The fact that you now have to Kickstarter everything makes it infinitely less likely that I would ever yeah because Simon Simon does nothing but Kickstarters now they don't, I don't buy Simon stuff because fuck them yeah but I mean not even respectfully <laughs> you know they, they've been using it as a prayer system like after the second zombie side let's say they could have just put out zombie side making money hand over fist on zombie side and in the stores even which is good but at this point, stores lose money because they're just keep doing it that way. They could do it the standard way. It is a backdoor way to get around distribution, and I think it's a good way to it's a way to get around it without being able to do anything legal action. Oh yeah, well, so some of the failed Kickstarters I didn't get get into just because I was broke at the time. Yeah, that is lucky when you're just like I don't have the money, and then like goes on, you're like, oh, good thing. <laughs> I'm very frugal on them now. Um, I am too. Uh, like I had something good, like you know, the last I did uh, Studio X, the mobile miniature painting studio, because it's super useful. Um, Didn't have the money, I wasn't able to get into it. Um, and then the one before that, I did the Animal Adventures: Secret of Gullet Cove. You guys remember Animal Adventures? It did uh, Tales of Dungeons and Doggies. Yep. And the Cats and Catacombs. I did Dungeons and Doggies, and I did the Secrets of Gala Cove because an adventure of y'all playing super you know intelligent animals that are basically D and D classes seems super awesome. Yeah. Uh, so Jared training me says I've been pumping the brakes on Kickstarter praise on your fear of missing out. Exactly. That is. There's a lot of things people like to use that limited edition, and you know they do the Kickstarter thing. You're worried like, oh, I may never get it. I mean, sometimes it's okay if you never get it. If you ever get it, it's like that company ain't doing so well and you don't need to get it. I'm down to just stuff where, like, musicians. If a, if a small band wants to kickstart their band, their album, I'm in for it. I'm getting what I would get anyways, the album. Maybe some add-ons. Maybe I pay a little more than I expected because, you know, they're doing something I like. 
doesn't really matter, you know. Like example here, Transformers 1986 by the Cybertronics Brain. Very pleased with how that turned how that turned out. It got their entire got the physical CD, had the freaking uh, digital CD as soon as the digital download as soon as it was ready. It was great. You know, they had good communication. They're still they just did their music video uh, for Dare to Be Stupid. I was just checking it out on YouTube. Those guys are amazing. You know, it's, it's those things. You just have to be frugal in what you're looking at. Again, make sure you don't kickstart anything with money you can't afford to lose, because you might. This is kind of looking kind of green, Kathy. Is that because of the fluorescent? That's probably the yellow. Um, so, Junior, I don't think your request is going to come back to general release. Uh, nothing HasLab has ever done has ever come to general release. Now, if you feel like a gonzo, getting back to the painting, <laughs> uh, you could start mixing a little bit of uh, a red paint in with your fluorescent yellow. And you'll see on your palette how much that dulls down that fluorescent yellow and makes it look darker immediately. Even if you just put a little bit of red in with that or not the fluorescent yellow, sorry, the fluorescent orange. Mix the fluorescent orange with a little bit of uh, red and and start just dry brushing that into the tips of the flames. Yeah, because right now I'm, I'm getting the orange in and I'm, I'm kind of... And you don't want to do too much of the orange where it starts to fill in your uh, recesses. Correct. Uh, I'm just doing it because like, it was very... Well, it's super transparent, so building up the opacity by, you know, yeah. adding uh, another layer is a good idea. Yeah. Uh, so I'm just getting it a little bit thicker, a dry brush, and just getting it more in there because there's a lot of, like, this this, this side over here has a lot of ridges where this one has a, a lot of ridges with gaps, and this one has not very many ridges with gaps. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. the, and so I was like, uh, I'm going to try to get a little bit more into this type thing because there was. And there are times when I'm painting flames where I do accidentally fill in recesses with my darker color and I'll go back with a little bit of white and poke that down into the recesses and then go over that with a little bit of the yellow again to build up my you know my brightest color. I was thinking I could try this out since I haven't used their transparency yet. Now that's going to dull down your, uh, I was going to do it like on the underside right here where we, it wouldn't be so noticeable, but I wanted to, I wanted to see what it looks like whenever I use that. Once all this, once I get all the orange, that's, I'm just kind of curious. Yeah. That's definitely going to dull down the effect of the, the yellow of the fluorescent color. Kind of curious because I haven't used the I haven't used their transparency yet, but something I'm looking forward to try to see if it kind of actually that would probably be a good thing to use on your reflected light. Yeah, I've got to let that dry because like this because is... your reflected light is going to be a little bit less bright. You don't want it to be as bright as the flame itself. Correct. I was going to get. It just kind of looks, I mean, and I'm sure it's the light and everything else that's just kind of starting to look greenish. 
a little bit. But well, it's it also be because your, of the, the black. Yeah, I was going to say it could be your gray is a bit on the bluer side of a gray. Yeah. And when you put that, because the fluorescent yellow is sort of a, a bit green, like when we used to order shirts when I worked at the t-shirt place, anytime you had to order this, the safety shirts, it's called safety green. It's not called safety yellow because it's that fluorescent color is a, a green yellow. Yeah. So I'm not surprised it has that little hint of green when it goes over that gray. Yeah. Which is okay. I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. It all works in stages. It'll still, it'll still look yellow once the other colors are there and everything. So I'm going to leave that like that and just hold it. Oh, wait. Hold on. Now it's going to bug me. I see a spot where I didn't get any orange. <laughs> it's always like that, isn't it? It's that was always... my entire Friday. I kept being like, oh, and now I think I'm... Oh, no. I still have this to do. Now I think I'm finally... Oh, no. I still have this to do. Okay. Let's get that. Because it, it, it media section time. It is. I mean, indeed. Give me a second. Let me clean this brush off. So, so ends our conversation about Kickstarters, and so begins our segment about uh, media. Our our uh, our hot takes on movies we've watched, TV shows we've watched, uh, music, books, etc. Damn it, gone so upside down again. Shit. <laughs> oh, I gotta get a new chair because I can't paint like that. That really stretched my back out wrong. All right, so uh, media section. I have roughly five things to talk about. John, how many you got? One. Kathy, how many you got? All right, John's got two. Well, aside from uh, the James Bond, which we already uh -huh. talked about, I have two. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and go, uh, and I'm going to say that, you know, that Brave New World series that I was watching on Peacock? Canceled. Not oh, surprised. The one that you were hating on because, yep. yeah. Uh, so uh, that one got canceled. So that was just a quick one. I thought that was, I wasn't surprised um, because it kind of was shit. And so far the Peacock Network has not impressed me with what they were doing. Um, so that was over. Um I can't remember if I did or not, but I did watch um, Queen's Gambit. Did I talk about that last week? I don't think I did. I believe you did. I did? Yeah, okay. Because uh, it's been a while since I started marking stuff down. For real, no, I take everything and I anytime I watch something, I text myself. And so <laughs> I did that one. Um, okay, so I did watch, um, it was on Netflix, it's called Babysitter Guide to Monster Hunting. Um, it is a show about babysitters and they're a secret order of protectors of children and they hunt down monsters. So when a kid says they see something or whatever, and, uh, you know, in the closet or whatever, they're, they're actually real. It's not fake. And so an order of babysitters have to go and protect these kids. Uh, it is very much a kid show, a kid movie. Uh, kind of like a Spy Kids or whatever type thing. Um, it reminded me of the old, I don't want to say old, but the Goosebumps movies uh, uh -huh. that came out. So, I mean, it was a great, I mean, it was a good, a great kids movie. I think it's rated PG. 
Um, but I mean, it was really, it really interesting. I thought it was, it was fun. I mean, it was a little bit too childish for me, but I could see how this would definitely appeal to someone like 10 and under type thing. Um, it was goofy. It was silly. It had stupid stuff in it, but I mean, for overall, I would say, you know, 100%. If you have kids that are like 10 or under, go watch it. Um, it, I'd give it like a one, uh, for the fact that some of the stuff you were just like, uh, yeah, whatever. But, uh, as definitely as a kid show and a kid movie, uh, go watch it. Uh, especially you could watch it for the, you know, the Halloween stuff. Um, so I wholeheartedly think this was a pretty decent little Netflix movie. Mm. So other than that, uh, John, what's your one? Or two. Oh, well, one of my ones. I what mean, do you know, we'll talk about in a bit. The other one is I finished uh, the second book in the Blood of Kerensky series by Michael Stackpole, again, from way back when Battletech. <laughs> and, man, I really enjoy it. Uh, I got a little stopped reading for a bit there, but uh, I actually really love the way he characterizes stuff and puts people together there and really more... As I read it now than ever, I realize how he sort of did Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones did Game of Thrones. Because his battle deck novels are very much that whole political intrigue with a bunch of action, sort of, in the Game of Thrones things. And he has no qualms about killing out, killing off characters if it's necessary for the plot. He doesn't quite do it needlessly, <laughs> but he definitely does it for the plot. And I enjoy the crap out of my... Uh, I'm very, uh, very happy I got through it halfway through the next one and enjoying the crap out of them. I give it uh, zero space for a beast. I might have given the first book in the series maybe one because it was a little, you know, fan service one of the characters seemed a little bit, uh, you know, Gary Stewish, but uh, it turned out okay. And uh, I'm enjoying the crap out of it. I'm I don't know, very far into the series, but there's still a shit ton of books left to go. Because, I mean, come on, we're in stuff that came out when I was in high school. And there's a whole bunch of books after this. So I don't know if I'm ever going to catch up, but I'll give it a go old college try. Um, so I want to put a shout out. I, I'm looking to try to read some more books. Um, something I can, like, wind down with at the end of the night. Because uh, usually I listen to books, you know, whenever I'm driving or... Um, Painting this is one of the things I did. Uh, so I'm looking to read some new books uh, at the end of the day. And I'm looking for good fantasy novels. Like, uh, I've read quite a bit, so I'm just looking for new stuff. So if you're in the chat room or if you're on our Facebook page, uh, go on there and send a message saying, hey, I'll, and I'll put up a, a post on our Facebook page. I'm looking for new uh, fantasy novels to read. And I'm looking for ones more than just, like, one book, you know, like a trilogy or whatever. Uh, but I know... a trilogy that's actually finished already, not something that is like the King Killer Chronicles, where there's two books done, and who knows if we'll ever see the third one. Yeah, I, would, I mean, now if you tell me <laughs> that the new book is coming out soon, and he, the the author is pretty reliable on that, I'm okay with that. Uh, I've already done Mistborn, uh, which I think is one of my favorites. Uh, I wish they would do justice. Um so uh, I'm going to do a post up on uh, Facebook uh, of requests and you can find it there. So go to our Facebook page uh, that Gonzo is looking for new novels to read because um, I can download them or whatever. So 
I'm just kind of looking forward to that. Sorry, I didn't mean to break that, but that was something that came up that I need something to start winding down in the evening. And oh, the Otter Harrington way. ones. Yeah, I've heard of those. I haven't read them. So let me unmute and so you don't hear my clicky-clacky typing. <laughs> I have read the first several books of Otter Harrington, and they are very good. I very much enjoyed them. I'm going to go um, and put that up on Facebook so we can see. That's, uh, that's not fantasy. It's it's hard sci-fi, but it's really good. I like sci-fi. Uh, I mean, I mean, Agu says Dragonlance books. If you haven't read Dragonlance, you've read Dragonlance, right, Tom? So, no, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. just making sure. Years and years ago, I read the Dragonlance book. There's a, we talked about this last week. There's a sequel trilogy to Willow you could read. Yeah. Oh, that's right, yeah. So I'm going to post it up on Facebook. Uh, go there, type up, you know, hey, this is something oh, I think you would like. And uh, if you got a link, even better. So, sorry about it. Uh, Kathy, you want to go with yours, or was it just the Sean Connery? Uh, I did watch more Kiko and the, uh, and the Wonder Beast. Age of the Wonder Beast. What do you think? What do you think? Are you in season two yet? I or? am loving it. No, I haven't got to season two yet. Uh, but I absolutely love it. It's just, it's charming. It's charming as all get out. It's it's cute. It's it's fun. It's original. It's funny. Uh, doesn't take itself too seriously. The animation is fantastic. The world is cool. I've always liked post-apocalyptic things. And when I was a kid, that is actually how I imagined the future would be. <laughs> so... I mean, I'm not even kidding. I'm like, people living in caves after the end of civilization as we know it. That's how I thought it would be. <laughs> so, yeah. I I absolutely zero space herpes. I am loving it. And I, I'm sure I'll continue to love it as I watch it more. Yeah, it's to me, that was a very... That was a very good series, and I was really happy. Uh, and I'm glad we got an ending for it too, which is what why I was really hoping for. Is that that's you know cool? Because I hate these things where they just oh it's successful, so we're just gonna write it into the ground until you know we just grind it into dust and it's hideous. <laughs> yeah, no, it it, you it, know. it it I showed the first season to my third and fourth graders before you know covid happened and they loved it and such and i was really uh i was really happy with it i i we need good stories like that and good whimsical and fun things that aren't jumping the shark but give a decent conclusion to the story we yeah we need stories with conclusions that can't all be oh it got canceled like yeah. that's why with a lot of things i buy you know, collections or graphic novels. I don't want to necessarily not get the ending to it. I want, I want to see the ending. I want to be able to get the ending. And I, I if you got a hot property and you want to make a make a series out of it, try and get a contract where they guarantee you a chance to get an ending. Yeah, because I mean, there's a lot of things that canceled just recently, by the way. Because I mean, think about at least Firefly got a movie so that we got an ending. We wanted more, but at least we got an ending. You know, some series don't ever get an ending, you know. Uh, in Josh Whedon area, at least Angel 
the council that he didn't really want to, but he got at least a chance to do an ending. Um, you know, you get uh, some series, like, I always go back to Birds of Prey, which was never super popular. At least they got a chance to make like a two-hour episode to end it. Yeah. You know, it's there's something to be said for that. You don't all have to be just, oh, it's gone. How's it end? Never know now. Yep. Uh-huh. If you imagine, you know, if a popular series had ended, you know, Babylon 5 ending after three seasons, you're like, the fuck is going? No, fuck you, TV studio. You're dead. You're dead. So one of the ones that I watched just recently, and it was, hey, it's a, you know, it's spooky season. Let's watch an old spooky show that, you know, was pretty funny. And I watched Paranorman. Paranorman is a stop action movie. Um, about a kid that can see dead people and he must stop a curse. Um, so I miss movies like this because that movie was solid. Um, I really miss stop action stuff because there's a lot of art and a lot of work to do a stop action, uh, you know, claymation style type movie. I mean, I mean, just, you gotta think about it. it just to make a character walk across the screen of how many shots and movements and everything they have to do. Uh, it's incredible. Um, so, I mean, I was, I was really happy to watch it. Um, and it, what's funny is I didn't, let me check out something. I don't remember, um, when it came out, 2012, uh, is when it originally came out. Um, so decently old. Um, but at the end of it, spoiler, the big jock guy says he's gay. And I was like, I didn't catch that when I first saw it. And eight years ago, perfectly, you, if that would have been, that would have been, that, that was kind of pushing the envelope, uh, which I thought was interesting, uh, type thing, but I really enjoyed the show. I thought it was a lot of fun, had a really good work to it. Uh, the stop action was really neat. The zombie ghost creatures are really fun. Um, and such. So I was, uh, I was really happy with it. I give it probably maybe like a half space herpes but uh definitely a great little movie just to watch for the fun of it john what's your second uh my second uh i mean is mandalorian season two episode one yo i know you're i've seen something on the cutting edge because normally it's like john watching that series from 15 years ago he's finally getting to no, no. The Mandalorian is watching immediately. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. I'm not going to spoil it, but it was great. Oh, it, it was amazing. I was like, it, hell yes. And I didn't even realize there are multiple levels of fan service going on in this thing. But oh, yeah. I, this is how you do fan service. I am a very vocal person where I feel that putting Darth Vader in Rogue One was a fucking mistake. The scenes were cool, but I think it was a little too blatant fan servicey. But I mean, they don't really super detract from the movie. But this, these, this is how you do fan service. Yes, perfect. It is appropriate to the story. It fits in every way. It adds to the story. In some cases, even pivotal. And then sometimes it's just, oh, look at that. That's cool. And Star Wars is about that. And there's so much world building going on. In the in the Mandalorian, it's so good. 
Yeah, that's what I said when I was watching it. I was like, oh, crap, I can't believe that they're doing that. Yes, that's cool because it's read about, it's talked about, but never done. Yeah. And I remember, forget all the stuff you've read back in the past. Anything Legends is, is, you know, anything before Disney took over is not canon, unfortunately. No matter how much you love the Star Wars X-Men series, it's not canon. Let's be sad. I love that series. Um, (laughs) Tales from Jabba's Palace is not uh, canon. What comes out in the series is canon, though, and it was very good. I enjoyed it. Shockingly, zero space or piece. Five out of five, Baby Yoda's. And then I really like the Marshall. I wish that actor would do more stuff. He, I love him more than anything. Rumor has he's a dick to work with, unfortunately. Probably, maybe, but I really uh, like him. If you want more of him, um, he is the headliner on a series that you can find. I don't know if it's free anywhere, but look for him. He's in a series that is super awesome. Yep. I enjoy the crap out of it. And he plays a similar-ish character. Yeah, and I know which one you're talking about, and it was good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything because, yeah. you know, people may know, may not know. They can look a bit. Let's not spoil it. Yeah. But you can look for him. He's, he's actually in other series, too, as a supporting character. Very good in that, apparently. Um, yeah, absolutely great. Let's just say The Mandalorian, the first episode, didn't let us down. Nope. Wasn't a filler-type episode. No. Um, well, explored. It almost the... was, but it was the perfect kind of filler because it fills... With he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's trying Correct. to get maybe out of home. Spoiler the last series, sorry. And <laughs> he's trying to find ways to do that. Boom, boom, boom. Getting that, and then it fits in perfectly. You know, it's 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 you could call it filler as it doesn't directly advance the plot, but every plot's gotta have setbacks and dead ends, and this is part of that. Yeah. And I like it. So zero, like I said, five out of five baby baby Yoda's. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Casablanca. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was Casablanca really solid. Six out of five baby Yoda, in case you're wondering. Yeah, six out of five baby Yoda's. Um, so, both Magics asks, isn't Timothy Zahn redoing Heir to the Empire series for Disney or something? I don't know. I don't think you can do that series anymore because Thrawn has already shown up in Rebels. So he's sort of already in there and he wouldn't fit in the way he would be in those books. Plus... Obviously, things don't necessarily go the way people, way Timothy Zahn foresaw them uh, when he first wrote those books. Because those were the first big deal books for, well, actually, technically Shadows of the Empire was, that takes place between Empire and Return of the Jedi. But these are the first sequel books that were big deals that came out. Because before this, you had the Lando Calrissian Adventures, the Han Solo Adventures, and Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Uh, none of which are canon. Um, so we'll see if he's trying to work with them there. I mean, Thrawn's a very popular character. We'll uh, we'll see what they get. Disney has a good commitment to you know making good stuff. Um, Star Wars TV series is a great way to sell uh, Disney Plus, and I'm sure if they can get just enough that there's not too much downtime between them, they can rake in that Disney Plus money. Because I'll be honest, Disney Plus has so much on it, it is worth keeping. Most of the time, even though some people just get it from Mandalorian and then leave. Yeah. But you always uh, get that. There's so many subscription services. Which, uh, talking about uh, that uh, and the Star Wars, um, news that Isaac, uh, Oscar Isaac, is going to be playing Oscar. Moon Knight in the new Disney Plus series. Uh, I'm happy to see Oscar Isaacs and everything. I uh, love Oscar Isaacs. I uh, 
really wish we'd gotten more of uh, Poe Dameron in... Uh, to be honest, uh, I'll, I'll say this eventually again when I get back to uh, Rise of Skywalker again. I don't really have a problem with The Last Jedi until I remember how well uh, Poe, Finn, and Rey interact with each other. Yeah, I missed the whole movie of them going around together doing stuff. That would have been awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, Magic Moonlight is kind of a poor man's Batman, but he's a little bit more than that because he's he's weird. He's that's why he's a second tier, third tier, third tier Marvel character because he's really weird. But Oscar Isaac's has got tons of charisma. He will be interesting to see him in there. I'm looking forward to it. I just saw that. I thought it was. Should be something we need to talk about because it was actually I was like I like him, can't wait mm-hmm. to see him. Moon Knight's an interesting character, so uh, let's go with it. Um, Kathy, do you have a second one? I do. Or, go for it. Last last night, we watched it. The, the, the new version. It. Yeah. What did you watch? Ha 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 You're funny. Ha ha. That's right. So, yeah, we are like it, liked it. I liked it. It was fun. It was uh, it's funny because on our on our way home, we watched it at our friend's house, our friends who are in our our safety net. Uh, And uh, so we talked about it on the way home and I'm like, it it didn't seem scary in the parts that it seemed like it was supposed to be scary on but it was scary in other parts like the parts that were most scary to me in this movie were the humans interacting with humans <laughs> as opposed to the and not like that it was bad dialogue or that they were bad actors or anything but just the way in which some of these people were interacting with you know, the characters were interacting they were it was scary they were they were evil, creepy, mean, you know. They were more monsters than the monsters were. Isn't that the most human of stories? Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, the 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 clown or whatever it was, <laughs> you know, the feeding on the fears of the people in this town was uh was like you know, was kind of a kind of a description of of that mm-hmm. the humans being monsters yeah awesome. but yeah i i liked it and i'm actually interested to see the second one i didn't realize there was a second one and my friends like yeah it takes place 27 years later because like the cicadas like <laughs> uh, every 27 years yeah every 27 years so I guess they come back to the town and, you know, okay. I want to see, I want to see what happens. So I'll, I'll be watching that at some point. Fair enough. Um, my last one is I watched the remake of Witches. Uh, I was on HBO Max. They did a remake of the original, uh, I guess it was late 80s, early 90s Witches. Um, that came out where uh, a boy 
and his grandmother, the kid, uh, kid's parents pass away in an accident and she has to take care of them. And so they go away to this hotel and she, they find out that the conference of witches is being held there. So it is a remake. That sounds uh, like a fun time. Oh, it, it, the original, the original witches. When I first saw it, I was like, "This is creepy as hell." Because like the transforming from like boys to mice was done by Jim Henson Studios, and the witches were done by Jim Henson. So like all the stuff, the prosthetics and everything, and it was creepy uh, beyond belief. Um, but the remake, of course, was done more with digital and all this other stuff. Um. And they changed up the story a little bit, not a lot. I thought it was interesting because in the original Witches, the ending, uh, yeah, yeah, because the book was book was pretty creepy because uh, it was a while ago. Um, there is differences between the original and the remake, but not enough that it makes it horrible, um, but it makes it a little bit better. I liked uh, the new version a lot. It was fun. It was interesting, had a lot of cool things going for it. Uh, the characters all fit. Uh, nobody seemed out of place. Um, I, I recommend it. Go take, uh, let your kids watch it. You watch it. It's a good little, you know, um, TV show. So, or movie, I should say. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure this was originally supposed to come out on, uh, excuse me, the theater. And since, you know, everything's going on, it came out on HBO Max first. So, um, highly recommend it. Uh, give it maybe like one space RP, but good solid fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, John, did you have anything else? No, that was uh, it. I mean, I watched two movies and a, and a first run TV show and read a book. What the hell else do you want from me? <laughs> <laughs> I can only do so much between all my hours and hours of playing MechWarrior online. Let's see. Um, I should go into work. Let's see. I mean, because I mean, a short graphic novel. Oh, I did too, actually. Actually, was I a read a, a short graphic novel. It was a birthday present, and it was called Fangs, and it's by the uh, Sarah. I don't remember her last name. I'm sorry. The person who does Sarah's scribbles. The webcomic. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. I love and it, so it's her, it's her short graphic novel about a love story between a vampire and a werewolf, and it was so cute, like super cute, um, and funny, and uh, it was worth it. I was glad, uh, I was glad I got that. So, it took me like no time to read. It's very short, but it was yeah. fun. Yeah, I've got a one-shot, uh, Transformers one-shot about uh, one of my favorite Transformers characters. Um, all right, we're in the chat room. Y- yes, uh, the not-upside-down male play is MechWarrior Online. <laughs> <laughs> but I got one that's about the cliff jumper, and it's sort of like him crashing on a world, interacting with the natives. And it's very good and heartfelt sort of idea of, you know, what's good, what's evil. You know, because the idea is that these these people are all good, and Cliff Jumper is a heroic Autobot, except that like he is a fucking stone cold brutal warrior and <laughs> like kills the crap out of a ton of Decepticons to the point where there's like six of them hunting him, and he's a short guy. He's like a bumblebee short guy, and they're like, 
they've described them like, oh, it's just the red ones. Like, wait, red one with with horns? Like, yes, bring the ship down, get everyone down here. You're like, it was that was uh, super fun to see that, but it's also a more touching story about you know, you know how point of view means a lot of lot of means a lot there. Because you know, you are you a good guy even if you're a warrior killing a lot of enemies. That's very interesting. I give it maybe one uh, space therapy because it's kind of short. <laughs> so, guys, that's our show for tonight. Uh, we want to thank everybody coming out. Um, I did link to our Facebook page, so if you want to go over there and give me some more book advice, um, guys, check out our Patreon for you can get some other uh, reviews. Uh, be on the lookout for a new RPG hitting our uh, airwaves. Uh, they'll be on all of our uh, podcast network stuff, uh, so you can listen to it. Uh, we'll definitely be posting it up on our Facebook page, too. Um, don't forget, check out Kathy on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday uh, from 3 to 5 Central. We'll show you painting. What you working on this week, uh, Kathy? More bases? Yes. I Well, these are the... So last week was making the bases and now i am going to be painting i've already started painting them on friday so i'll be continuing painting them my guys are are pinned on so that i can figure out where the object source lighting is going to fall on the bases so as i paint these bases this week we'll be doing some object source lighting from the glowing faces of the jack-o-lanterns and i also have to finish painting the pumpkins so and and you're asking me, Nixel, if my household is competitive? You're asking John if his household is competitive? <laughs> there are three of us. <laughs> There's Trace. But, all right, guys, we want to thank you for coming out. We appreciate it, everything. Uh, if you need anything, give us a holler. You can find us anywhere and anytime. Uh, for More Than Dice, I'm Gonzo. John. I'm Kathy. Good night. Good night. Don't go any guys, we're gonna don't go anywhere. We will be raiding zombies in just a moment. Raiding zombies, woohoo! Zombies! Nixon back rub. I can't help you with that, Nick, sorry. I probably could too, but uh, I ain't gonna have Manium do that. That's just weird guy. <laughs> That's a different though. stream. <laughs> <laughs> Katie has you can't veto. I override your veto. It has been vetoed. Wasn't, wasn't going to ask him anyways. <laughs> <laughs>